the optimal life. So stop the tall man, save the tiger. We're yeah. cutting right to it. That's the yeah. name of your fairly relatively new book. Yep. Uh, tell us what the meaning is behind the title. Yeah, great question. So um, I was married to the love of my life for over 20 years, and I was living in Pocatello, Idaho when I met her. I call her Paige in my book, not her real name. Uh, and she was this tall, beautiful blonde girl and, uh, finally got to meet her at a singles Bible study. She was, you know, single. I don't know if she was married or not. And, uh, she was the blonde girl to all my friends. So I met her, we started dating immediately. And within like two weeks, Nate, I was like 90% sure I wanted to marry this woman. But the other 10%, if you will, were her dad and this uncle Robert. And she talked about him all the time. So I need to meet them. So around Thanksgiving, we met in late October. Around Thanksgiving, this is 1996. I meet her dad. You know, he's fine. He's a little different, a little odd, but no big deal. Well, around that time, she tells me about this dream she had. And uh, her uncle Robert, you know, some guy had called him the family guru, had kind of dissected and analyzed this dream she had that was really important to her. And she had the dream before she met me, like a month or two prior. And she wanted me to read this letter. I'm like, okay. And I heard all about this Uncle Robert guy, who, by the way, was like 5'6". And I'm 6'5". You can't tell, but I'm tall, okay? So I read this letter, and it's really weird. It's like 24 pages long, multiple colors of ink, all over the place. But best I can tell is she had this dream where she's in a house, and there's a tiger. Tiger's trying to find her. If it finds her, it's going to kill her. She's in the house with the boyfriend at the time, and they're hiding she doesn't want to kill the tiger. She kind of wants to know where it is because the tiger represents things like strength and honor and dignity and all this stuff that she respects and admires in life. And then the door to the house opens and in steps a tall man, but she can't recognize the face. So she hides, the boyfriend disappears, and the tall man is there to kill the tiger. But she's afraid for the tiger, doesn't want to kill it. So then the Uncle Robert then tries to make himself as the tall man in the dream, even though he's five six. And psychoanalyzes it and basically turns it on his head and convinces Paige that the tiger represents her ego, the old man, as is discussed in the Bible. You know, when you, when you become a Christian, you, you crucify the old man, the old ego, okay? So he convinces Paige that she's the tiger, thus she's not saved, she's not a Christian, even though she was baptized and went to a singles Bible study, on and on and on, read the Bible, she's not saved. And uh, he pawns himself off as the tall man. And Nate, it took like 20 years, but I finally figured it out because everything in the dream pretty much came true that this Uncle Robert guy, the you know little cult leader of our tiny religious cult, was the tiger. And I was the tall man. And she couldn't see the face of the tall man in the dream because she hadn't met me yet. And I, you know, I come into her life like a week later. And in real life, the boyfriend disappears. I met the guy once. He's gone, just like in the dream. And I, I finally realized it. And, you know, now you're, you're moving ahead 20 years because uh, we unfortunately did get divorced. And this Uncle Robert did become the little cult leader of this tiny little religious cult that eventually destroyed my marriage, uh, destroyed my family, broke it up, and nearly destroyed my faith. How old were you when you guys met? Let's see. I was 28 and she would have been 24. And uh, you know, six months later, got engaged. Three months later, married. A month later, she's pregnant. <laughs> okay, so you guys move quick. Yep. And and during that time, how do you start getting sucked into this? Because I always find it fascinating how 
I think you even talk about how you kind of get sucked into a cult without even knowing you're in a cult. Right. How does that well, happen? I say, yeah, I say, you know, you never know you're in a cult. You only know you were in one because, you know, cults can look different, right? They might shave their heads. They, they drink the Kool-Aid, commit mass suicide, live in a commune, have sex and all that. But what it boils down to is it's all mind control. So it was the answer to your question is very slow, Nate. So I had heard about the weird family guru before I even met Paige. So I was kind of on alert. And then uh, when I first met him. How did you hear about him before meeting her? I was at a gym working out, lifting weights with this guy named Gary. And I'm trying to describe this beautiful, you know, six foot tall athletic woman with long blonde hair. And he says, oh, that's, you know, Paige Clausen. But be careful. She's got a really weird family guru. That was like a week before I met her. Wow. So this so, guy had a reputation in town. Yeah, he didn't even live there. He lived in California, but he had come up a couple months prior when she graduated with a master's degree at Idaho State. And that's when this guy Gary met him. And all it took was like one meeting and, you know, you could tell the guy's a crackpot. So at her older brother's wedding, I finally got to meet him a couple months later. And I said, eh, he's odd, but okay. Obviously, I missed the signs. So then over the years, at the first few years, I thought I was the best husband ever. We had the best marriage ever. I was the best dad ever. She was the best wife. I was head over heels in love. But over the years, it kept getting more and more uh, involvement with Uncle Robert. Uh, to the point where, you know, years down the, down the road, you know, it's like the, the proverbial frog in the boiling pot of water. It just slowly took over. And I always say I went along to get along with my wife. And there were signs over the years, you know, he was a raving anti-Semite. Uh, and I didn't really find that out till after 9-11. Uh, and I had grown up in New Jersey where, you know, I had Jewish friends, Catholic friends, Christian friends, black, white, Italian, Greek, and all that. And but boy, this was different when he started in on it. And I, you know, was shocked by it, frankly, uh, to find out. But he came from Syria, born and raised in Syria, was not related to her. Again, he's olive complexion, bald, bulbous nose, heavy set, five six. My former wife and I, you know, all Northern European looks, tall, lean. I used to have blonde hair. <laughs> um, but then over the years, uh he just again, he just took over to the point where you know, many years later, she wanted to be a surrogate and provide Uncle Robert with, you know, a, a, a male grandson to carry on his precious bloodline. So he had two sons and granddaughters, but no grandsons. And so we had already had five kids at the time and she wanted to be a surrogate. And I was not for it at the point. And uh, a couple of years prior, you know, I had lost my wedding band, maybe three, four years into our marriage. Couldn't find it. Bought a new one. Six, seven years later, found the original. And it brought me back to the great glory days of when we were first married. And, and, you know, the bloom was off the rose at this point. And lo and behold, Uncle Robert had lost his around the same time. And so she asked me to send my wedding ring to him. And I could tell you dozens of stories like that, um, how he just took over. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to dig into that because to me and to people listening that have not experienced it, it's hard to comprehend. Yes. You guys are not even living in the same state. Where were you guys living? We were in Idaho for most of the years, then Montana. He was in Southern California. So you guys weren't even geographically situated. No. And, yeah. Go ahead. And, and, uh, and this man who went by Uncle Robert, was this truly her uncle or was this just a nickname, Uncle? Yeah, nickname. So uh, when Paige, well, he glommed on to Paige's parents before she was even born. They met at a small seminary in California. 
And then you know, this, this dominant relationship where Uncle Robert really, you know, kind of controlled them started from there. So Paige and her siblings would call him Uncle Robert and his wife, Aunt Sarah, as a sign of respect. And with him, it just always stuck. He was always Uncle Robert. Okay. And then you guys are going about your life. But what does that mean to you when you say tiny religious cult? What is, how, how do you define that? Well, uh, first of all, in numbers. So there was really just Robert Booty and his wife. He had two sons who would never come to our conferences. So we would meet once or twice a year. We would call it a conference. It was in northern Idaho at Paige's parents' house. And that was basically just sitting around listening to him talk for days on end. It was bizarre. So anyway, Bianca Robert's wife, my family, I have five kids. So Paige, me, our kids. Paige's family had been split up because of this guy, where most of the siblings and all the aunts and uncles and cousins, they were shunned. So it would have been one of Paige's brothers. Again, her parents, and then like one or two other guys, a brother Michael, a brother this. They were shunned by who? Well, by Paige and her parents. And of course, Uncle Robert. Because they weren't going along with it. Because, okay, the one sister said in 2000, hey, I don't think this Uncle Robert guy is all who he's made out to be and who you think he is. I think he's a danger to the family. So then Paige believed it briefly. She was pregnant with our second child. So there was this, you know, huge blow up meeting where the sister, Rebecca, tried to convince her parents that this guy is a fraud. He's a danger to the family. They didn't believe her. She got shunned and vilified. We couldn't even say her name anymore. Paige went into the hospital in bed rest. She was uh, leaking amniotic fluid. And of course, the doctors never figured out what caused it. But of course, she did. She claimed that it's because she did not uphold the word of Uncle Robert right away, that the Lord was judging her. And the Lord was jeopardizing the life of our son because she did not protect the good name of Uncle Robert. And wow, that, that, that is an intense moment. That had to be one of those really bizarre, scary moments for you. Because it was terrifying. Yeah. Because your wife, talk. right? You're, yeah, wife, you, you're meaningless. Yeah. I you're almost it. meaningless. Right. Yeah. And and I come back from a sports broadcasting trip at like midnight and she's like, I'm leaking. And I'm like, leaking what? You know, and then we go to the hospital. She's 26 weeks mm. and she's distraught. And I she finally tells me a few weeks later and I thought it was bizarre. I didn't say anything to her. And then our son is born at 32 weeks, nearly dies. And eventually grew up to be a D1 athlete. Wow. But she was convinced the Lord was punishing her. So when she was convinced the Lord was punishing her because of this Uncle Robert character, did this cause you some concerns? Uh, you probably already had concerns, as you mentioned. But was yeah. this one of those moments where you're like, this is a lot more intense. This is a lot deeper. This is maybe even more dangerous than what I had expected. Oh, no question. So, again, he was, you know, kind of a charismatic, interesting weird guy who lived in California. And then with this episode, with his comments after 9-11, et cetera, et cetera, it kept getting worse and worse. Early on, Nate, I thought he was kind of crazy. I didn't want anything to do with him. But my wife adored him, revered him, and I knew he wasn't going anywhere. And her parents revered him. Absolutely. And I was the only adult who didn't. Right. So that put you in a tough predicament. And when you say the comments after 9-11, is that did he did he believe that the Jews were responsible for the attack? What was that? Oh yeah. So uh, after 9-11, a couple months later, you know, he's you know, Roosevelt's a Jew, Truman's a Jew, and um uh 80,000 people died on 9-11. And I, I remember so I emailed him and asked him these questions. And I would never get a straight answer. It was always he would attack my intellect, right? 
To him, all of recorded history would go back to Jacob and Esau in the Bible, the sons of Joseph. And so every war, recession, depression, you know, psychology, bank interest, usury is the Jews' attempt to rule over the Christians. I mean, that was his philosophy, his theology. Mm. And and her parents and Paige and everyone else in the little cult bought it hook, line, and sinker. And so then as the years went on, I kept asking questions. Well, really? Did you have any proof of this? You know, where, uh, how do you know? You know, and I was always the bad guy for asking questions. Right. So what what is it about this guy? How, how does somebody what was he offering? What was his message? What was the they they obviously felt like he was closest to God? Like, what is it about this one person that they were so sure they had to follow in his footsteps and and buy into every single thing he said? Yeah, great question. You 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 dove right into it and got peeled back the layers of the onion pretty quick. If you look up cult leaders or cults, you will you know just Google it. You get a million hits. And you will find traits and characteristics that are across the board. You know, one will be there's always a, a leader, very narcissistic, charismatic, grandiose sense of self. He makes all the rules, but he doesn't have to follow them. And then he also breaks down the family to where we're all essentially children and he's the dad. So with the grandiose sense of self, Uncle Robert supposedly talked with Alan Greenspan, former chairman of the Fed wrote Saddam Hussein a letter before Gulf War II, wisely telling him what to do to surrender, would meet with congressmen on and on and on. And he, they all knew Uncle Robert on a first-name basis. And oh, by the way, we have to shred our trash. Don't say Jew or Gentile on the phone because they're all out to get him, which then made him important and us important. So, it, and were some of those events true? Did he have relationships with politicians? And Who knows? I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. I can't verify any of it. I have no idea. So, okay. So he seems like an important person. He seems like maybe he's got influence, but I'm still, I, I, I struggle to understand how grown adults yep. with their own families, their own lives, their own minds, we're all human beings. So what makes this one human being so convincing to follow? Like if we don't follow this man, do are we going to hell? Like, how, how do they get to that place in their mind? Yeah. Well, um, you know, he's very good at it. He's got a strong working knowledge of psychology. He's charismatic. Clearly, Paige and her parents, if you took Uncle Robert out of the equation, would have been susceptible to someone like him. And I also tell people, too, listen, it could happen to anybody. For me, it happened because I loved my wife and I wanted to keep my family. But, Nate, I was probably brainwashed for two, two and a half years. I was all in. Finally got rescued by my faith in my family and friends, but it took a long time for me. But when he offers you this kind of entree into, well, he talked with Bernard, uh, you know, Alan Greenspan and other people, so I get to sit at the foot of the master and hear all this. And oh, by the way, they don't start spouting lies, right? Like, I don't think I'm that dumb. He'll start with something that's the truth, and then he'll twist it. So the analogy I give is, if you mishit a golf ball by this much, eighth of an inch, a hundred yards down the fairway, it's way off to the left or way off to the right. Well, Uncle Robert was teeing up the correct ball, right? He would read from the Bible. But he'd give each verse would have his little unique and perverse spin so that five, 10 years, 20 years down the road, it's way off base. Mm. That's wild, man. That's absolutely absolutely incredible. And and by the way, too, you know, in our little Christian faith, so people will ask me, well, you know, what are you? Well, I just I'm a Christian. 
but you really weren't until Uncle Robert said you were. So in the Christian faith, it's a free gift, right? Like you can't earn it. It's a gift. You accept the Lord. Okay. So, but you didn't really become a Christian until Uncle Robert said you were. So he made Paige doubt her faith with that letter back in 96, 97. And then it was her dad and then her mom. And then finally me and all five of my kids too, by the way. I posted something recently on our new uh, social media page for, for the, I do some quotes and, and thoughts that come to mind, self-help, self-improvement stuff. This made me think of it and I want to hear your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. I said, the charming sociopath in many ways is more dangerous than the antisocial psychopath. The latter is someone you intentionally avoid due to the potential harm of letting them get too close. The former is someone you open your heart to, trust around your family, and share intimate moments with, only to be eventually betrayed and then left gutted. What's your reaction? Well, as soon as you say that, I instantly think of, you know, the, the analogy of the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? The wolf doesn't get close to the sheepfold, but the wolf in sheep's clothing does. Mm, perfectly said. So what was the moment for you? I mean, that this lasted from, you said, 96, 97. This goes all the way up to almost 2020. I mean, 20, 2017? 2017, 20 years. So finally, after all of this cognitive dissonance in her mind and in mine for a while, you know, she's got a husband and five kids. Biblically, she doesn't want to divorce. But I am this horrible person who had lied because I eventually got beaten down in 2015. I finally admitted I must not be a Christian. I must have missed it all these years. Only Paige and Uncle Robert were brilliant enough to show me my wicked ways, which, again, I look back now and it's utter nonsense, but I believed it. I had finally caved. I just couldn't fight it anymore. So now all of a sudden I'm a fraud, I'm a liar. So she leaves me. And very quickly, it went downhill really fast to where, to the kids, I became a bloodline, a sperm donor, the devil, a sorcerer, Satan, liar, et cetera, et cetera. And just to be sure, you know, there was no infidelity. There was no fighting. There was no physical abuse or any of that. I mean, I, I love this woman, adored her. But I, you know, again, more than just going along to getting along, I, I did kind of whatever it took to try and save my marriage and really didn't stand up for my faith, didn't stand up for my kids, and didn't stand up for the truth when I knew a few years in this guy was – a fraud. And I, for some reason, wasn't strong enough, smart enough, whatever. I didn't follow through and I should have. And I paid the price. I now, see it you, now. Now, when you say that you paid the price and that your kids also thought that you were, uh, you know, you were the devil, you were the bad guy, how do you rectify that situation with the children? Well, so, well, the courts got involved. And listen, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a libertarian. I, I love limited government. I don't want the government involved in my family, but the courts exist for situations just like mine. So I didn't tell my family Nate for four months. So my family would be my parents are still alive, my brothers and their wives, cousins, aunts and uncles. I didn't tell them for four months that my wife had left me, took the three youngest kids, you know, limited my contact with them, called me the devil. The two oldest boys I have were still living with me at the time because they were in high school and college. I finally told them and then finally told the people in Montana where I was living like nine months later. And I had lost 30 pounds. I couldn't sleep. I wasn't suicidal, but I was a mess. And so they would read these emails that Paige and Uncle Robert were sending me because I would send them, I'd forward the emails because I I was a wreck. I couldn't read them. 
and I'd send them to my brother and my uh, lawyer and, and friends. And I'm like, is it okay to read this email? And they'd be like, I don't think you should read it because they were so bad. And um, then when she finally filed for divorce, I didn't want it. I said, I, I don't think that marriage is uh, irretrievably broken. She became irate about that. You know, call me the devil again. And I hate you. And all the kids believed it. So we decided through the help of, you know, my lawyers and friends, listen, Peter, we need to get what's called a guardian ad litem, which is somebody appointed by the court. You're nodding your head that looks after the best interests of the kids. Of course, my, uh, Paige didn't agree with this. She wanted Uncle Robert to be the mediator and get rid of all the lawyers. Well, sorry, we're not going to do that because it's about a year later now. I'm finally on my feet, right? She left and about a year later, we get the guardian ad litem. I finally can see, hey, this guy is not the savior of my marriage. He's destroying my life. The guardian ad litem sees it right away. She issues a jaw-dropping 50-page report, and the courts send the three kids back to me, and they've been with me ever since. They haven't seen their mother since? No, no, they do. They see her, but they live with me full-time. Okay. Yeah. She and have, have you guys, are the kids now, are they able to start, have you been able to depro deprogram them from this yes. mindset and this lifestyle? Yeah, you know, it took a while. Um you know, when they came back to live with me and they were irate and angry, but you know, the youngest one two months later said, daddy, I love you. Then the next one, about a month or two later, daddy, I love you. And I'm sorry. I said, well, sorry for what? And sorry for calling you all those awful names. And I said, it's okay. You know, you were just doing what the adults told you to do. And, and that's what it was. So again, you might think, well, what's the big deal about this strange cult? It's just a lot of weird beliefs. It's a free country, right? Well, hold on. This is child abuse. So Uncle Robert's extreme hatred, condemnation, and judgment poisoned Paige, who then would poison her kids with this hatred. So where you would call your dad a sperm? Well, I mean, he poisoned, actually more, he poisoned three generations. He started with Paige's parents. Well, and it affected, Nate, it affected four because Paige's grandparents were shunned because of uh, this guy. Yeah. yeah. My kids are the fifth, fourth, yeah, fourth generation to suffer through this. Right. So he, he, he influenced Paige's parents' generation. Yep. which influenced Paige and your generation yep. and then influenced your children. So there's three. And then you said it had a negative effect on the generation above yes. all of yeah. those because yeah. they were shunned because they said, get away from this crazy man. Yes. In, in, in a nutshell. Yep. You got it. Um, I know you're a religious man. I know that you're big on your faith and your Christianity. And, and I want to get to that, how you were saved and how you were rescued and got, got free. But as human beings, we, we have thoughts, we have feelings, we have emotions. Sometimes we have crazy thoughts and feelings. Doesn't mean that we act on them, but we have them. So my question for you is, when this all settled, the dust settled, and you were going through with your wife and the kids, and you said you weren't suicidal, but you were in a bad place, did you have thoughts of wanting to harm Uncle Robert? Hmm. Uh, no. Um, you know, people are like, how do you say so even keel and not, not get angry? Well, you know, if I harbor anger in me, it's not going to harm him. It's going to eat me up inside. And it took a very long time, over a year, for me to realize that he was, you know, the snake in all this. He was the bad guy. He was the one poisoning all this. So by that point, we have the Garden of Light involved. We've got attorneys. Um, you know, people ask me when they read my book, they say, is Uncle Robert still alive? Like, that's one of the first things they ask, you know, <laughs> Is he still, is he I was going to ask you that too. So, <laughs> as far as I know, he still is. I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, but you know the damage is done with Paige and her parents. Thankfully, I've recovered, and I'm a million times stronger, Nate, than I was before. Because for many years, 
I would look to my wife and the family guru for confirmation for not what I did, but every single thought or word that came out of my mouth. That's wow. a miserable way to live life. That's wow. a whole So every single day for all those years, grown man, working man, former yep. college athlete, all yep. these great things, kids, all, and you couldn't make an independent thought without thinking about what the guru would, guru would think. You know, it started when I first met Paige's dad. Her parents were on Thanksgiving 1996, and I went to go, go to the bathroom. I stood up to pee like most guys do. And then I opened the door, and there's my future father-in-law standing there. And he says, in our household, the men need to sit down to pee because it reduces splashing. And then he said the famous phrase I heard all the time, Uncle Robert taught us that. Mm. So here you have a guy that tells the men how to urinate, and every other aspect of their lives is being controlled. Yeah, that, that gives you an idea of the whole picture. That one analogy, that. yes. Yep. That tells you everything that you need to know about every move that you make. You become a robot. You become so programmed yep. that it's uh, it's scary how that could actually happen. Okay, so you didn't have any feelings of harming him. You, Like you said, you keep the resentment. The only person that's getting hurt when you have resentment being held inside is, is yourself. Because right. it's eating you away. It's not eating yep. anybody else away. Right. Was there ever, what, what did Uncle Robert do besides have just this control and this manipulation and this, all these fallacies that he's spilling at everybody? Was there ever any abuse? Was there ever any sexual relations within this cult? I mean, uh, or, or or is that not, not the way that you experienced it? No, there's certainly no sexual abuse or anything, uh, let's say, criminal, illegal that I saw, and nor do I think it ever happened. But, you know, have I heard stories that were creepy? Yeah. Weird? Yeah. Have you tried it with my daughters when I punch them? Yeah. But not illegal. Um, now, there What's an example that, of something creepy? Well, yeah. okay. So if Paige had a question about what she and her husband could do together, you would think a woman would go talk to another woman. But she would go right to Uncle Robert. And so Uncle Robert would enlighten her on how to be you know, long-lasting in bed. And here's how he does it. And when she and her sister were very young, he described how the skin of your lips is kind of the same, let's say, quality uh, or has the same sensations of the woman's vagina. And he's telling these things to young girls, like teenage girls. And she would ask him other things. Well, what would be appropriate for you know Peter and I to do? And he would tell her. Another story, uh, 2016. Uh, real so, quick, Peter, I just have to interject. I find it sh uh, ironic, and I don't even know the what right word, that this grown man is trying to tell a woman how to last longer in bed. These are yeah. two totally different species. And he, yeah. knows what, he knows what makes her tick and what to do. Oh, it's, it's awful. Anyways, go ahead. Well, so yeah, what I was going to share was then, Donald Trump gets elected, right? And uh, he was a big Donald Trump fan. So January 2017, she's just left me. And here I have been a husband of 20 years faithful. I've never even entertained the thought of a, an affair. I never wanted one. I loved her. She was beautiful. I loved everything about her, other than her uncle. <laughs> and uh, he goes off to D.C. to, you know, supposedly have these high-level meetings with whoever's going to meet with him, which who knows. And she goes uh, to be his, like, assistant for two weeks. So remember... He has the wedding band on his hand that used to be mine. She wanted to provide him with a grandson. 
And now after she left me, they're gone off somewhere for two weeks. What does that sound like to you? Oh, it sounds like um, a honeymoon. And before she left, fall of 2016, she went to a, a convention in Salt Lake City. I was going to go the last minute I didn't. Of course, Uncle Robert took my place and they shared a hotel room. I don't think anything happened. I truly don't. Uh, you'd have to see him and her and be like, oh my gosh, I don't think so. But still, you know, uh, what kind of... But but how? let me just say, how, how in the world, if this woman thought that this guy was the Messiah, essentially, yeah. Pretty and, close. If he, and if he makes a move on her, how in the world does she say no? There's no way. I don't believe that she had the willpower based on this 30-minute conversation we've had right. to say no to the person who, mind you, remember, she dishonored him uh, when you, she was pregnant with, what was it, your second child? Second and she child, was leaking at 26 weeks. So yep. Yep. here we are 20 years later or something thereabouts. Right. Yeah. Just, you know? I, well, I see where you're going with this. And like again, I do I know? I have no idea. But, but in my heart, I think, no, it didn't. But when she came back from that trip, I was now the bad guy because she was sure that I was assuming bad thoughts about the two. So here I am, the faithful husband at home with the five kids, and she shared a hotel room with another man who wasn't her husband. And all of a sudden, I was the bad guy. So where does she at? Where, where is she at right now? Where is she at mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Do you even know? Is she still in contact with Uncle Robert? I'm trying to understand where are your, where's your ex-wife at now in her life? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, um, uh, I don't think she's well. Uh, and I try to be careful with my words because what she did was called parental alienation, where one spouse tries to alienate the kids from the other. So the kids, you know, she told the kids, again, I'm the devil, sorcerer, and all this horrible stuff, and they believed it. So I make sure I don't tell them that. I know they love their mom, as they should. I don't believe their mom is healthy. But, you know, we're I'm still getting dragged through the courts, um, mm -hmm. And so she will file court documents. A month ago, in a court document, she called me a murderer, a documented abuser, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is none of it's true, obviously. So I don't know if she still talks with Uncle Robert, but I've seen no change in her demeanor whatsoever. She denies everything in the Garden Letter Report, denies the cult, denies the parental alienation. And then I'm, of course, the abuser. Peter, what was the moment? You were finally able to escape it after all those years. Um, mm -hmm. And you leaned into your your religious background, your spirituality. How did you finally just, was there one aha moment that you finally said, I am done? And if so, what was it? Mm. Well, there was several. I wouldn't say there was one. There were, there were several. So in the summer of 2017, I finally realized I kept calling this guy. Like he'd be the one guy I talked to all the time. And everything I did was wrong, but everything Paige did was right. And I knew that. So I started dreading these phone calls. So I stopped calling him. And then, you know, he had said, when I married her, I abducted her from him. I mean, really? The gall to say that. And then when she filed for divorce, you know, around, let's say, Thanksgiving of 2017, and I objected, I tried to save my marriage, he accused me of stalking her. So I abducted her when I married her, and I stalked her when I, you know, as a married man tried to save my marriage. And I, you know, I, I, with all of these moments, I'm like, this is absurd. Of course, this guy's wrong. So there was several aha moments, but not just one. Mm. What and was I, it about leaning into your faith that, that helped you through? Oh, I, I wouldn't be here without it. So um, 
you know, I did write another book years ago. It's called The Blue Team about faith and basketball. And so the whole message of that is like for an athlete, you know, we often like live and die with the last shot, the last at bat, whatever it is. And as a Christian, my identity is in something greater than myself. For me, it's Christ. So therefore, I can take the game when he shot. I might miss it, but I know the world's not going to end, right? So having my identity in something else, I know the end of the story. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. And, you know, and then I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy kept saying that he's more enlightened. He's smarter. He is more righteous than I am. But I'm like, but he's sowing hatred and factions and division and condemnation. Well, those are biblical. And uh, the Lord finally just opened up my eyes. Again, mm -hmm. it was a process. But think about it. I was only really brainwashed for like two and a half, three years. And it took me almost a full year to come out of it. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible story. Uh, AuthorPeterYoung.com is your website. Where else? Anywhere else you want people to go to find you, your books, social media, et cetera? Yeah. So, you know, I'm on Facebook and, and I'm, you know, you can buy myself on Amazon. So Stop the Tall Man, Save the Tigers, the memoir that just came out. The Blue Team is also on uh, on Amazon. Uh, I've got my own YouTube channel, author Peter Young. And I love to do book reviews, uh, Nate. So I love to, I love to read. So I do these little two-minute book reviews. So those are on, those are on YouTube. Um, and I love doing these podcasts. I've started to do a bunch of these. And I, I really enjoy this format. You've done a great job. Sometimes they just let me talk for, you know, 45 minutes. And I think, well, I've got an interesting story, but that's a bit too long. <laughs> yeah, good storyteller. Hey, listen, <laughs> they know that you're, you're good at storytelling. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, we've linked it in the show notes. Anyone wants to take a look, uh, authorpeteryoung.com and Stop the Tall Man, Save the Tiger. You can click on the link. It'll take you to Amazon if you want to purchase the book. The ratings and reviews there are tremendous. So I highly suggest you guys take a look at it. Um, last one for me. There's people listening right now. They're going, this sounds somewhat familiar to me, but I've never really noticed this. And, and I'm seeing a lot of similarities in Peter's story to kind of my own situation or maybe somebody I know. What, uh, what kind of advice do you have for those people? Yeah, you know, if you didn't ask that question, I was, I was going to say, can I say one last thing and say it? So you know, people ask me, you know, well, how do I know? How do I help somebody? And that's hopefully my story can help somebody. Oh, my cousin Bob, my college roommate Joe, whatever it is. Um, again, all cults look differently. But I think one of the number one red flags would be, Nate, is if you've got a friend or a relative who you've known for a long time and has a lot of long-term relationships, whether they're uh, kept up via email, phone calls, you see them in person, you go to church, synagogue, wherever you're going, and then they all stop. Uh, and they've stopped quite suddenly and they isolate themselves. That's a huge red flag because cults operate and maintain control based on secrecy and paranoia. And once the person becomes isolated, like we did, because we kept leaving church after church after church to just only listen to Uncle Robert, that's when you become in danger. So really the key is you maintain friendships and relationships. I don't care if it's the bowling league or whatever it is. Don't isolate yourself. And if you see someone doing that, that's when you got to reach out. Beautiful advice. Peter, thank you so much for today and uh, wishing you all the best with your family, your personal life, and most importantly, not being involved in, in that religious cult. Yeah. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it. It was great. Uh, thanks for having me on your show.